Hello, everybody. Welcome to Madison Church. It's good to be here with you, sort of here with you. Um, I am excited for those of you that get to meet in person and also excited for those of you that get to um, still be um, watching online and um, keeping yourselves um, safe as you need to do. Um, It's been great to know that some of you have been able to get together and um, and kind of resume some of that activity. So I hope those of you that are um, meeting in person are giving each other a little elbow bump or something um, in excitement to see each other. Everybody online, um, go ahead and say hi to one another in the chat box and um, talk it up a little bit in there, okay? Um, <laughs> today, I want to talk to you about a little bit of a, a, a little book. Um, have you ever read that children's book that was um, Alexander's Terrible, No Good, Very Bad Day? Has anybody else read this book? Um, if you did, you might remember that Alexander, um, he wakes up with gum in his hair, he gets in trouble for fighting with his brothers, he finds out he has a cavity, that's kind of a bummer, um, he gets lima beans for dinner, which nobody likes, um, he's stuck wearing the railroad pajamas to bed, he hates those. Overall, it's a uh, terrible, no good, very bad day, and his solution, naturally, is to move to Australia. I mean, what else are you going to do? But then his mom reminds him, like moms do, they they bring some clarity sometimes, right moms? Um, His mom reminds him that some days are just like that. Some days are just like that. Sometimes bad things happen, even in Australia. And some days... Some days, um, bad things do happen, even in real life. I mean, some days you might be trying to take a shortcut and you end up driving into wet cement. That's a horrible, no good, very bad day. Some days you might be thinking you're having a good day, um, but then you regret that one last ride that you took because it turns into a terrible, no good, very bad day. Or what about that day when you were not only in an accident, but you also had a big bunch of paint cans in your car? That is a horrible, a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. And we can laugh about those things. We can laugh about these terrible, no good, very bad days. But what about when the picture isn't as funny? What about when you get called into the boss's office to get terrible news? Or when somebody that you love receives a diagnosis that doesn't look good? Or when you turn on the news and it's story after story of no good, very bad days? I mean, who, can relate, who can't relate to that in 2020? I mean, between the pandemic and all of the dynamics that surround that, the injustices that have been coming to light and the ensuing riots... The murder hornets, don't forget those. And then we have these upcoming elections and all of the debates and all of the things going on with that. There is certainly plenty of opportunity for pain and suffering nearly every day. And it's during times like this that not only is it hard to find humor, but sometimes I think it can be hard to find God. And if you're in a place like that right now, I want to stop for a moment and just let you know that you are not alone. There are stories upon stories of pain and suffering in the Bible and throughout history. I mean, I have my own stories of pain and suffering, and I know each of you has your own story of pain and suffering as well. If you are in a bad day season, you're not the first. 
And you won't be the last that's going to wonder, where is God in all of this? Why does God allow pain and suffering? So today, we're going to continue a series that we're calling Making Sense of God. And we're going to explore big questions about God and faith and purpose. And we're not trying to convince you of anything or kind of try to provide generic answers that never really resolve the problem anyway, um, or the questions. But we want to truly invite you to explore these questions with us. So today's big question is why does God allow pain and suffering? It's one of the hardest questions. So thank you, Stephen, for giving me this question. Um, that was lovely. Thanks. But, but today's big question, why does God allow pain and suffering, is one of the hardest questions. And it's hard because it's not just an intellectual question. It's one that impacts us personally through our own pain and our own suffering of, of ours and of those that we love. And sometimes we ask this question because we can't make sense of all the evil that we can see in the world. Day after day, we hear stories of vulnerable people being exploited, the innocent being victimized, and the blameless suffering. We can feel this question. It's raw, it's tender, so navigating it just isn't easy. So let me take a moment to talk about what we're not going to do today. Um, we're not going to solve this issue of pain and suffering. Bummer, right? <laughs> but I'm not going to insult you by pretending that it's just that simple. I'm not going to minimize pain and suffering by saying, like, saying something like, everything happens for a reason. And I'm not going to tell you that your situation will get better if you just have enough faith, because that's not how God works. Instead, what I am going to do today is invite everyone to wrestle with this question, to enter into a conversation that's honest and open. So let's start with Habakkuk. Habakkuk was a 7th century prophet, and it was this time that he was living in was a, was a time of injustice. It was a time of idolatry in Israel. But unlike all of the other prophets in the Bible, Habakkuk doesn't just call Israel to repent. He does something different. Instead, his words are addressed to God. And the book of Habakkuk goes through his personal struggle to believe that God is good when there is so much pain and suffering in the world. His book starts out with these desperate words. He says, How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Violence is everywhere, I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all the misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. Doesn't that sound familiar? I mean, aren't those the questions that we're still asking today? God, why aren't you answering my prayers? Why are you allowing suffering to continue? Why don't you care about all this pain? Where are you, God? And these are hard difficult questions that, to be honest, they can be exasperated by the times that we live in. Many of us are asking them pretty regularly. We don't understand how God can allow so much pain and suffering. So let's step back from the Bible for just a minute and wrestle with some of the questions that we ask and some of the reasons that we ask them. Obviously, we don't like pain and suffering. Who does? But is there something else that's also at play? 
So let's consider a few cultural lies that we've probably absorbed that make it even harder to deal with the pain and the suffering that we experience in the world. Uh, the first one, the goal of life is to be happy. So our culture teaches that the ultimate goal, the meaning of life is happiness. Every day we're bombarded with commercials and social media posts telling us that we deserve to be happy. And the next car, iPhone, relationship, vacation, that's all we need to get there. Our own Declaration of Independence states the pursuit of happiness is one of our unalienable rights. I mean, just think about that. We value happiness so much that striving towards it is a legal right in our country. But you guys, believing that the goal of life is to be happy is dangerous. It really is. Because the meaning of life, because if the meaning of life is happiness, then any experience of suffering destroys the meaning of life. Pain and suffering stand in opposition to happiness, and therefore, in our culture, suffering can have no meaning. It can only be bad. Author and professor Tim Keller writes this. He said, in the secular view, suffering is never seen as a meaningful part of life, but only as an interruption. So is it any surprise that we have difficulty dealing with pain and suffering when we see it only as something that threatens our happiness? And what about this lie? If I do good, I will be rewarded. If I do bad, I will be punished. This is the lie of karma. And if we're honest, I think we secretly, or even not so secretly, we want to believe in karma. We want to believe that life works in this straightforward, predictable way. If I do good, I will be rewarded. If I do bad, I will be punished. And I've heard people talk about how they can't wait for karma to smack someone in the face, right? You've probably heard that too. Maybe you've even said it. Um, isn't that why we like the idea of karma? It, it kind of leads to the idea that life is fair. But the Bible doesn't connect pain and suffering to the morality of people. Jesus reminded us this. He said, he, referring to God, causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Good circumstances do not mean that God is pleased with you any more than pain and suffering means that punish uh, means that it's a punishment or that you've done something wrong. We can check all of the boxes to please God. We can read our Bible, we can pray, go to church, volunteer, do all of the things, but none of that guarantees that life won't be hard. Our pet may still run away, our marriage may still fall apart, our kids might get mixed up with the wrong crowd, we might still get COVID, somebody we know might still get sick and die of a multitude of things. The Bible is pretty clear about the fact that the world is filled with pain, so life isn't fair. The world is filled with misery, and suffering is inevitable. Aren't you guys glad that Stephen let me talk about this today? I mean, I know this seems depressing, but hang in there with me, because I, I think if we check out John 16, 33, we can see that Jesus comes along, and he, while acknowledging reality, he reminds us of this truth. 
In this world, you will continue to experience difficulties, Jesus says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Karma says you get what you deserve, but Jesus says this is going to be hard, but take a deep breath. I got this. I got you. And I want us to look at one more lie, the lie that says I have to be okay now. I mean, I love Amazon. Does anybody else love Amazon? Maybe as much as me. When I need to buy something, I almost always check there first because I love how Amazon delivered my furniture to my front door. And for some things, there's a package at my door in less than 24 hours, right after I click that buy button. I love it. And let's face it, Amazon has ruined us, hasn't it? I mean, we've grown to expect things to be delivered now, quick, fast. I've ordered from Home Depot a couple of times for those pandemic projects that I talked about the last time I got to be with Madison Church. And um, it takes like a week to get delivered, which is horrible. I mean, I'm finding myself thinking what awful customer service they have. Do they even want me as a customer? How can they take a week? I've even searched on Amazon for the things I wanted from Home Depot in an effort to get them faster. I know I'm not the only one that does this. Amazon has ruined us. And Amazon's speedy delivery is great for a TV. But it's not so practical when it comes to broken bones or broken hearts. When we approach pain and suffering with a suck-it-up buttercup kind of attitude, we fail to acknowledge the long, slow healing and restoration process. Did you know that there's a special kind of starfish and it can regenerate its entire body from one single arm? I mean, it can create that new central disc and four new arms. That's incredible. Now, it takes more than 10 months because that's a long time, right? It's a long time, 10 months. Their average lifespan is only 10 years, and it can take up to 10 months to regenerate a whole new body. But the starfish can be restored. Healing from pain and suffering doesn't happen quickly, not with broken bones, not with broken hearts, not with senseless crimes or systemic injustices. It is okay to not be okay. And in that process, we have this quote from David Paulson, and he reminds us, he says, God will surprise you. He will make you stop. You will struggle. He will bring you up short. You will hurt. He will take his time. You will grow in faith and in love. He will deeply delight you. You will find the process harder than you ever imagined and better. So it is okay to not be okay. We can lament the pain. We can cry over suffering. It may take a long time, but don't think for a moment that God has abandoned you. Pain and suffering are a reality in life. No one escapes it. The lies we've absorbed from our culture make the trials and the tragedies that we face even harder to navigate. Yet even when we come to grasp with the inevitable um, changes that occur in life, we can still find ourselves echoing Habakkuk's questions. God, why aren't you answering my prayers? Why are you allowing suffering to continue? Why don't you care about all this pain? And like Habakkuk, I struggle to answer those questions. But as we continue on this journey to make sense of God, I want to suggest 
that for a moment we set aside those why questions and instead we ask where? Where is God in pain and suffering? Can we find God in the darkest moments? Can we discover him in the deepest despair? The best place to look for God in the middle of our pain is to look to Jesus. Because in Jesus, we can find a God who suffered. God didn't come to earth in the person of Jesus to sit on a throne. He came to hang on a cross. Jesus came to rescue us from a world that had become thoroughly corrupt with evil and sin. He refused to abandon all of us to the forces of darkness that sought to separate us from him. God came after us. He came after you, he came after me, and he suffered for it. Jesus knows what it's like to endure pain. And the truth of it is, he was profoundly shaken by it. There's several examples in the Bible. Um, Mark 14, starting in verse 33, says that in the garden on the night of his arrest, he was deeply distressed and troubled. His soul was overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Luke 22:44 um, shows us that his stress was, it was so overwhelming that he literally shed drops of blood showing all of the signs of being in physical shock. He begged the father to save him from what was about to happen. And he wanted an escape if it was possible. And in Matthew 27, starting at verse 46, he was on the cross and he was crying out in despair. You can, you can read the words of Jesus. He felt abandoned. He experienced that pain of separation from his father. And in Jesus, the suffering Savior, we can discover that the goal of life is not earthly happiness, that even the best of the good suffer. And yes, it's even okay for God to not be okay. Jesus showed us that. He showed us firsthand despair, rejection, loneliness, grief, torture, pain. He didn't numb himself to it. He didn't just smile and say, well, everything happens for a reason. He experienced it. and He lived it. When we search for God in the middle of our pain and our suffering, who we find is Jesus. We find a God who understands our pain. We find a God who identifies with our suffering. And while Jesus' suffering doesn't answer the question, why does God allow pain and suffering? It does tell us the answer is not, it can't be that he doesn't love us. It can't be that he doesn't care. Going back to um, author Tim Keller, he writes, it can't be that God is indifferent or detached from our condition. God takes our misery and suffering so seriously that he was willing to take it on himself. Now, I don't have any easy answers for you today when it comes to the the question of pain and suffering. But I do know this. Jesus understands your pain. He identifies with your suffering. And I believe he wants you to be able to find comfort in him, to come to him, to bring your sorrow and your stress, your pain, your despair, and turn to him because he understands. In fact, when Habakkuk surveyed all of the pain and suffering around him, 
He came to the conclusion that the only way to face it was with God. And he writes, look at the proud. They trust in themselves and their lives are crooked. But the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. Habakkuk is telling us, stay faithful to God. Despite all that you're enduring, remain close to him. It's really the best way to go. Many of you have walked through a crazy amount of pain and suffering, and I bet the rest of you at least know somebody who's experienced something over the top. And today, I just want to remind you, I can't give you easy answers to the questions about pain and suffering, right? I'm not going to tell you that our situation will get better if you just have enough faith. That's not fair, and it's just not true. But what I can do is invite you to wrestle with that question. Wrestle with it honestly, openly, in a community like this, whether it's online or in person at Madison Church, whether it's in a small group, whether you're making phone calls afterwards to talk to each other, wrestle with this question honestly and openly in a community that doesn't have all the answers, but know, to know that you are not alone. I invite you to wrestle with these questions and these difficult things as we continue to explore making sense of God. And I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to pray this prayer or something similar um, throughout the week. Pray something like this. God, if you are real, make yourself real to me in my pain and suffering. It's that simple. God, if you are real, make yourself real to me. Invite God to reveal himself into the trial, in the trials and things that you are facing. Pray this prayer daily over the next week, several times a day, if that's when it comes to mind. But be open to how God will reveal himself to you. Let's continue to explore and make sense of God together. And let's see how he might reveal himself. In doing this, you have everything to gain and nothing to lose. This is also a prayer that I prayed many years ago now. Um, it was before I really knew anything about God. And it was certainly before I would have been considered a believer, before I was a Jesus follower. And guys, it changed everything. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And God is faithful. If we seek him, if we ask him to reveal himself to us, then we wait and we watch. He absolutely will. Guys, I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what has broken your heart. I don't know what has torn you down. I don't know the pain that you're carrying, and I don't know the suffering that you may be enduring. But I do know this. Jesus understands your pain. He identifies with your suffering, and he loves you. He will never leave you. Revelation 21, 3 through 4 reminds us that God promises that one day he will come again to bring us home, that he's preparing a place for us where there is no more death. There is no more sorrow. There's no more crying. There's no more pain. And doesn't that sound wonderful? It really does. So let's keep our eyes on Jesus. Let's keep moving forward. And we don't have to be afraid, even in the midst of pain and suffering.